0: Welcome to Humanly, the podcast providing allied health and integrative medicine practitioners with the most up-to-date, evidence-based and clinically relevant information. This podcast is a melting pot of ideas on health and wellbeing and does not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. So, yeah, look, what I thought we could uh, talk about today was... I'm sure there's going to be many things that come up, but I really want to sort of touch on um, where we're heading with all of this nonsense, how we got ourselves into this uh, situation and how we can get ourselves out of it. And I think a large part of that comes from the fact that, um, you know, there are a lot of questions as to whether or not this virus has actually been isolated. There's a lot of questions as to whether or not, um, you know, people can actually do anything to protect themselves or keep themselves well. And there's also questions around, you know, whether germs and viruses actually make you sick. And I think there's a lot of people who are scared and afraid out there. And if we can provide them with some knowledge or, or evidence around what really does make us sick, and start questioning things, I think that's going to draw a lot of attention to this issue. So, um, yeah, what, what's everyone's thoughts on that? You're you're all, you all comfortable talking about those
1: topics sure yeah yeah oh yeah yeah i'm
2: still still young on that journey so it's been a a whirlwind of a year for me (laughs) so yeah i don't claim to be an expert
0: (laughs) no and uh i don't think any of us do but i think it's um good just to nut this out talk about it throw some Mm -hmm. ideas around and you know this is how we get to the bottom of things and get to the truth So I think the best way to start off today would be just to go around and get everyone to introduce themselves, Um, just a little bit about your background, um, your education. We don't have to go into too much detail, but just so that the listeners who are not familiar with everyone's work get an idea of who's actually in the round table today. So we might start off with Dr.
3: Fiennes. Great to be here. Thank you for organising this, Daniel. So um, I've been a uh, medical doctor for 40 years and uh, a holistic GP for much of that time. And I have a particular interest in mind-body medicine or what I prefer to call conscious health. And I've really looked at this whole situation through that lens very much. So so I'm interested in the uh, subconscious influences on health. And that's why I've appreciated your work so much, Dr Northrup. And um, to say the least, this whole episode has been quite an interesting um, exercise in observing human nature more than anything. And I work on the premise that, um, uh, you know, health is not separate from life. So uh, we've kind of categorized it as a separate entity from the rest of life. And I don't see it that way at all. And I don't see how physical health is separate from mind. So, I, you know, it's been very interesting, uh, yet very alarming observing this whole whole thing. So that's my interest. Uh, I think my clinical days are uh, about to come to an end um, for a variety of reasons. And I want to go more in the direction of writing and maybe talking about mind body medicine because um, and, and energy medicine because I think that's where our future lays. I, I think we're going through a fundamental change in healthcare. And um, it's very exciting actually, what the future might hold. Uh, and looking at healthcare and and through this whole time, but what I knew previously is it doesn't work very well in many areas, (laughs) if I can be so frank. It has its place, of course, but um, I've seen some fundamental flaws that have been um, highlighted over this last 12 months. So um, yes, so that's, that's me.
0: And thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Fines. It's, so it. it's, it's my pleasure. It's
3: my pleasure.
0: Again, uh, Dr. Northrup, uh, yeah, if you'd like to give a little bit of an introduction, I'm sure that most of our listeners would have listened to our previous podcast and have an idea of who you are. But for those who are not familiar with your work, um, yeah, right. take it away.
1: Okay. Um, my name is Dr. Christiane Northrop. I'm a board certified OBGYN by trade. I was noticing years ago, like you, uh, that there were a lot of things going on in women's bodies and in their health that was related to their lives. And it was being completely missed by the culture, completely. So chronic pelvic pain was often associated with a history of incest or rape, this kind of thing. And I began to notice it because I always had this sense about the mind-body connection. I had two family members sign out of the hospital against medical advice before I went to medical school. And I saw how limited the medical model was and that we didn't have all the answers. And worse, if you didn't follow their orders, you were a bad girl or a boy. But I had an aunt and uncle, my dad's uh, sister and brother were medical doctors. He was a dentist. So we had a very sort of medical family, but my dad was into organic food, and he said something early on when we would drop a piece of food on the ground. He'd say, you can eat it, let the earth pass through you, then you'll be immune to everything. And I grew up with a profound sense of my own ability to get well. And at the time when I was growing up, we maybe had two vaccinations, that's about it now, It's 69 to 72 Mm -hmm. mandated shots by the age of 18 in many places in the United States. And there's been a belief that you can buy health through a needle Mm -hmm. or through a pill. Mm -hmm. And none of that is true. I've written a whole number of books on this. And I like to say, having become board certified in everything that can go wrong with the female body, I now spend the rest of my life teaching women everything that can go right, and how to make that their experience.
0: And you've been an incredible voice of reason throughout all of this, Dr. Northrup. So for that, I applaud you and thank you for all your hard work. Uh, And we also have Dr. Jordan Grant here as well. So Dr. Grant, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Sure,
2: thank you. Uh, My name is Jordan Grant. I'm a board certified urologist, not neurologist, urologist, so urinary system uh graduated med school in 2011 and residency about five years ago so we've been out in actual practice practice for about five years um i was not traditional i had a finance degree and uh was kind of in the rat race for a little bit went back and just quit my job decided i want to be a doctor and so i went through all the hoops to do that um i was always kind of a I say a black sheep um, in medical school, even, you know, I I went into medical school having a pretty good background on, I don't want to say philosophy, but I I enjoyed that in my spare time. And I did a lot of reading on philosophy of science and all these things. And, you know, it didn't take me long in med school to start seeing that a lot of the stuff we were taught was pretty much made up. I mean, a lot of it, honestly. I mean, (laughs) you know,
1: I and, true.
2: You know and, and I was always the one that would question things and you know my study group my study group hated me you know like just just shut up and memorize it you know and um and that's just me and that's who I am and so that progressed through residency and I did all the hoops we all do because you don't have a lot of time in residency to really dig into the things you're being taught it's just in residency you're taking care of patients you know you're you're in the clinic you're in the operating room and that's it yeah so you don't have time to really dig into stuff. Um, I got into, and, and my kind of specialty now, and I have, I see men all over the country through telemed now, because we can do that with COVID, um, is male hormonal health. And a lot of men are, you know, obviously have low testosterone issues that I think is probably from environmental factors, um, things that we eat, things that we're drinking, things we're exposed to, sperm counts are going down all over the world. So I've kind of you know, carved out a little niche with male hormonal health. And that led me on a path to being a lot more open-minded to start reading papers. And it, it, that even helped me further in this current scenario, I guess, because what I, what I started doing, believe it or not, was um, I would get men who are going to these hormone clinics and being treated with cookie cutter protocols. And all of them were, be giving, were being given aromatase inhibitors, which blocks the formation of estrogen which is actually a vital hormone in men, believe it or not. And a lot of men don't know that. Um, And they were just train wrecks. And I just dug into the literature and started reading papers and just realizing all the crap we spew half the time is we just make it up. And if you actually dig into a lot of these papers, you don't find a lot of truth, right? You find a lot of petri dish studies, um, you know, and and you guys know, and and if you start tracking back references and that's what I started doing is, okay, if this is said as a fact in this paper, okay, here's the reference. Let me go read that paper and see where they got that. And you'd go read that paper and go, there's nothing in there that makes them be able to say, you know, so that's what helped me, I think along the way to kind of, I've always been, I'm open-minded to everything. If you've got evidence and it's real evidence, not just circumstantial, um, that's what I'm into. And so I, I've come at all this more from a show me the science right everybody keeps using that word science 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 and Daniel you and I've talked about this and, and I'm a stickler for language and so there's no science here right with all this and that that was That was what I first saw with this um, when COVID started. I'd never in my life been scared of viruses. I've never been scared of of stuff, but I never questioned germ theory. I never, you know, I just never thought about it. There were always things that were a little off to me. You know, I can debride a giant wound and leave it open to heal, you know, packing it, and you know it's colonized with bacteria, right? And that's not infected, it heals fine. And those things always bugged me a little bit, but I just never thought about it. and so when the COVID stuff started, I wasn't, I was more interested in the civil, in the liberties issue, civil liberties issues. I'm a yeah. pretty rabid libertarian. So I, and that's what bothered me more than anything. Mm-hmm. But the, the way things started snowballing, I just, and I, I don't know why I'm talking, I'm supposed to be introducing myself. I'm, I just got lost here. Um, but I just wanted to tell you what, what got me into this was basically I was challenged to, and I, and I saw Dr. Kaufman's video on exosomes, and I thought, okay, whatever, you know, like, that's interesting. I don't know what exosomes are. Let me go look at this stuff. And I messaged him, I think, on Facebook, and he all he did was say, go read the COVID paper and tell me what you think. That was it. He didn't say, say blah, 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 here's what I think. It was go do your own research, basically. So I did. And I read that first paper out of Wuhan. It was in the New England Journal of Medicine. And i saw immediately with the methods what the problem was and i said okay well they obviously didn't ever prove a virus here because you know they're just taking snot mixing it with a cell culture and calling the effects proof and i know that's not science Mm -hmm. but i said okay wait a minute it's 75 percent similar to this genome so that must mean something he goes okay go read that paper go read the sars-1 paper Mm -hmm. and i did Mm -hmm. and sure enough that led me on the rabbit trail to probably reading Mm -hmm three or 400 papers in the last 10 months on viruses. And that's probably what, half of the stuff we can talk about. But anyway, it, it's been a big game changer for me. And I mean, but I'm, I'm very much into health and I, I'm a weird allopathic doctor in that. I mean, I talk to my patients about what they eat, what they think, what they put in their bodies, uh, physical fitness, all the, I mean, I rarely prescribe pharmaceuticals. I mean, I do prescribe testosterone, which is a hormone. I don't consider that the same. Um, but I'm, I mean, I'm, I've scaled back a lot. I've changed the way I think about a lot of things throughout all of this. And it's, it's been in the mind, like they were talking about the power of the mind. I mean, that's been the most amazing thing to me because I saw that with men with the estrogen thing, right? Like they would convince themselves if that lab number was out of place, that they were having a problem and they were having a symptom of high estrogen. And I would go, no, you're not, you need to stop your aromatase inhibitors, Trust the process. You'll feel better in two months. Every one of them feels better. Never. And I look back and go, so you were never having that symptom to begin with, were you? Oh, yeah, you're right. What's well, no different than if you get a bad test, like a PCR test, right? That's not really testing for anything. But you convince yourself that you have something. Um, and, it, and that can be said with any of these tests. So that's <clears throat> the, the psychological part of it. It's been fascinating for sure. It is
3: indeed. Yeah. Where do you yeah.
2: practice? I'm in Texas, <laughs> in a small town, yeah, Paris, Texas, actually. I was, um, I'm from a small town south of here. And so we um, we practiced in two years for, in Shreveport, Louisiana. My wife's from around there. My wife's also a urologist, and we met in residency. And, uh, Love it. Yeah. So we're, I we just got pre- talked to
1: an emergency room doc down in San Antonio who's uh really? Oh, yeah, we should change numbers after this. We're going to get all of us together.
2: (laughs) I would love it. I would love it because I feel pretty alone up here, I'll be honest with you. Uh, Oh
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I get it. I get it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, thank you for that introduction, Dr. Grant. And very much like yourself, uh, probably uh, 10, 12 months ago, I started questioning things. I like yourself, saw the videos from uh, people like Dr. Thomas Cowan and Dr. Kaufman and got questioning things, started reading a lot of papers. I would have to have read hundreds, if not close to a thousand papers, trying to find um, evidence for the fact that a germ or a virus causes disease. And it was all spurred on by what happened last year. And uh, to cut a long story short, with everything that I've read, I've yet to find a paper to prove that a germ causes disease and actually i've found evidence to the contrary i've found uh controlled trials where they've injected saline into people and they've actually contracted illness and they've had the other uh, group receiving an injection of a so-called virus or a bacteria and uh, the people in the saline group actually had a higher rate of uh, infection than the people getting exposed to the virus so it's all very um perplexing and amusing and Dr. Northrop, I know last time I spoke to you, you mentioned that when you were looking in, I think the area of the, you were saying the cul-de-sac behind the uterus, I think you were saying you were finding mm-hmm. all sorts of bacteria in there, strep and gonorrhea and all sorts of weird and wonderful things. And people weren't suffering from a disease with the presence of those bacteria. So how is that possible? Cause we're told that a bacteria causes an infection. So how can it be there, but not cause anything?
1: Well I think that that's the old Beauchamp versus Louis Pasteur. It's the terrain versus the versus the germ. We all know like I can remember back in the day, you know, I'd see a woman with six episodes of yeast vaginitis over the t- course of a year and I would say to myself, this woman does not have a monostat deficiency. She does not. There is something that the terrain is not right. And then sometimes I'd have her change her diet. I was big into, I worked a lot with the macrobiotic community in Boston then and I saw miracles with a whole food diet. No, no matter what kind it is, I, you know, when you switch to a whole food diet, organically grown, people often get better. But then I saw a whole group of people, even in that community who ate perfectly, who also had problems. And then I began to see that the terrain in their body was put into place by their repetitive thoughts and beliefs. And then when you understand that and you begin to get that you are not the victim of your body, women have been told forever, you're a victim of your body. Your body is a lemon. I watched things in my career like I happened to be a resident when fetal monitoring was first brought in as the latest, greatest thing. And the C-section rate just rose to 25% overnight. Why? Because nobody knew how to read the monitor and guess what, they still don't. And there's not a single study, not one in the medical literature showing that fetal monitoring does anything more than increase the C-section rate. But it gives you a, uh, it gives you a tracing that you can attach to the chart to cover your ass that the surgery was necessary. Mm-hmm. And there's so much like that in medicine. And you know all of us have been trained in this and you get to the point where you think you're in the Wizard of Oz, like pay no attention to the man behind the screen. And we have those wizards in the, uh, in the CDC in the United States, which by the way, is a vaccine company. I think they own at least 50 vaccine patents. And I just found another one that was amazing. And that is uh, the former governor mayor of Nevada City, California told me that in California, they are offering to remove student loans, forgive all student loans, if you'll get the COVID shot. And Mm -hmm. they will also throw in free rent. Guess who the landlord is in these apartments in California? The CDC, the CDC. <clears throat> the CDC. Wow.
3: So, I mean, let's say,
1: or... yeah, this, the tentacles of this monster are what's, you know, what's amazing that there are four of us here who are actually talking and can see this because I have been disappointed to say the least by all of my holistic doctor colleagues who just say, oh yeah, we're, you know, we're taking the vaccine. I could name names, but uh, yeah, I won't. But still, probably half the former presidents of the American Holistic Medical Association, many, many, many people in the functional medicine world, and I'm thinking, all right, are you doing this just so you fit in and won't be shamed <laughs> like me? I mean, you know, I'm already, I am so hopelessly slimed by mainstream medicine at this point, there's nothing they can do to me. Like, what are you gonna do? Um, so, and, and I haven't been killed like Nick Gonzalez and a bunch of my colleagues from back then. Um, we need to realize that, I, what I would like the public to realize is there's precious little health in healthcare, but it's really good if you're hit by a bus and You know, Dr. Grant, it's amazing if you've got an enlarged prostate that is cutting off the urethra and you can't pee, then it's really good. But there's so much that the body could do better. And if we would get out of this mindset of, oh, I caught something. I had a roommate in college. She'd come back to the dorm. I've been exposed to the Hong Kong flu. I've been exposed to the Hong Kong flu. And I knew it was only a matter of time before she would get the Hong Kong flu more than I'm like, you know, I'm like um, that character in Out of Africa. And he says, you know, where she's Meryl Streep tells him I have syphilis and he goes, I never catch anything. <laughs> I sort of feel that way. And that's a mindset which I'll bet you is associated. Well, we know from those, you know, that, that study done long ago at Harvard where they measured I think it was IGA, Antibodies and Saliva, after showing the students three different movies, Organic Gardening, Mother Teresa, and War. And everyone's immunoglobulin A just plummeted after watching the, the movie of War. Mm-hmm. I've got some deep state intel on Mother Teresa, so I don't know about <laughs> was her, but- I going to say, <laughs> well,
3: maybe they would react that way to her right now. <laughs>
1: But back then when nobody knew, (laughs) their IGA went up when they watched Mother Teresa. I I don't even know who anymore is a guru or a priest or a saint and even trust. It's like up is down, down is up. But the big monumental scam here is the healthcare authorities and big pharma who have managed to pull off a global psyop with no evidence whatsoever.
3: Yeah, and and um, if I may, um, I call it the campaign of terror.
1: Okay. And
3: uh, we humans are so innocently um, impressionable and gullible, yeah. uh, and thus we're easily programmable, and that's part of our collect- being part of the collective consciousness, and therefore we're controllable. And that's been so evident. So in a year, we've become universally germophobic. And you know, to the extent that people are scared of the air in this country anyway, some of them, yeah. literally, it's got to that point and also view each other as germ spewing entities rather than fellow human beings. So the people who organize this knew they know their psychology down to a T and it's a complete manipulation of um, our, our innocent human nature. And um, I think manipulating people's survival fears, as, as has been done under the guise of healthcare, and this has gone on for a long, long time, of course, or yeah. goodism, or, you know, you're going to protect your neighbour is the most heinous form of oh. manipulation, in, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's been rife, it's been absolutely rife. And, you know, most people out there wearing their masks, they're, they're quite innocent, they just believe in the narrative. You know, they think that they're being protected But um, PSYOPs is the word for it, indeed. It's been quite interesting. And and, um, I agree with you, Dr. Northrup. I've been shocked and amazed that a lot of my holistic colleagues and functional medicine colleagues and very spiritual teachers and yoga teachers and whatever have thrown that out of the window so, so quickly when it's come to their own survival fears. So I've heard people talking, you know, teaching for for years spiritual principles and then not everyone of course then it's gone (laughs) in a flash when it comes back to i might catch the virus and it's like how can you teach that stuff and not see what's going on and i'm still absolutely floored by by that so um yeah it's very very intriguing how people have been manipulated into this fear agenda and continue to be and, you know, the pinnacle is the rollout of the vaccines, which uh happened in Australia yesterday. It's all starting here. And, um, oh, you
1: haven't had it before. So you haven't had time to watch everyone dropping dead yet?
3: I, I have from overseas, of course. But yes. it's just started here. And as I was saying before, the mantra is safe and effective. End of story. Safe and effective. Like, how can well, you, you know, see that, that mantra has been the same with all the vaccines. It has
1: been. So, so when been- I testified in front of our our state. So this yes. is coming up on a year ago. This was my introduction to mm. this vaccine agenda, which is the tip of the sword of 100%. this war. I didn't know 100%. that. 100%. I just innocently went up there and I had the data yep. and I stood there. We had three overflow rooms of vaccine injured children mm. with their parents. Mm. People were just asking for a chance to individualize the schedule we have a 95% voluntary vaccination rate. There, was, there were no scourges from the past coming back. Mm-hmm. And so the parents would, and, and we had incredible scientific experts. We had legal experts, Mary Holland, who works for um, the Children's Health Defense. Yeah. Everyone got up there with astonishing uh, science and references. And then the medical professionals mm-hmm. that represented the hospital systems, they'd get up like a robot, Yes. vaccines are safe and effective. They are the adverse effects are less than one in a million. They have saved more lives than any other thing. And all of that is an outright lie. We just found out the CDC just um, released some information uh, of the number of cancer cases caused by the polio vaccine.
3: Yes. Mm.
1: So once you know this stuff, well, we doctors need to talk to each other, you know, all 10 of us around the country.
3: Don't this. <laughs> oh, that many? Is it? <laughs> okay. Yes. Oh, yes. Well, I, I think there's not too many in this country, I can tell you. Um, but are well, oh, they I want to go degree. along? So there can be all the science and all the data there, but it will not be seen. It's just like forget that, safe and effective, off you go. And unfortunately, the masses believe that.
2: Well, it's just a um, chance, right? It's a chance. It, it's a spell almost. It's a, a spell. I just can't enough that it's people spell. believe it. And, yeah. you know, we can have all the arguments, and this is what's frustrating me, which we can talk about later, um, with trying to get people to engage this conversation about, you know, virus methodology. Um, and I can't get anyone to engage the argument. All I get are, you're an idiot. Uh, what are your credentials? How many papers have you published? I'm going, I could be a the garbage man down the street and have a proper argument. You have to address the argument, right? Like, yes. but they just chant it's been isolated. Here, this article title says so. And they think they've won something. And I'm going, You think I haven't read all these articles? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. but but it's a chant. And that's what that's what this, it's yeah. the same with vaccines. It's just. They just repeat it. Oh, they're safe. And and the the public just goes, well, they must be right.
3: Well, exactly. And that I call that blind faith, which is dogma. And it's not science at all. And, you know, the whole vaccine debate is manipulating people's survival fears. And people really believe that if they don't have the vaccines, we will be dead within years from all these scourges and, you know, uh, pandemics and uh, various illnesses. And, uh, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. And what you were saying previously, Dr. Northrup, I am immensely grateful. I've only had a couple of vaccines in my, my life. And I also grew up in a family where they said, your body knows how to get over it. Your body knows what to do. And that has held me in very good stead. My body knows what to do. And right from the get-go hearing about this virus, it's like, I have nothing at all to fear. And that was my gut talking to me. It's like, you know, this, there's something very odd about this whole narrative. I have absolutely nothing to fear. I've had no fear of this virus this whole time
1: because I no. know it doesn't
3: work that you catch something. It, it, I've always known that it doesn't work that way. That's so right. And then from the... The,
1: from the beginning, yes. whenever you would post anything, like Russell Blaylock, world-renowned neurosurgeon, had yes. a great piece on masks. You oh, yes. can't even post it on social media. They won't let you post right. it. Joe Mercola who's got some of the best references on the planet. Yes. You can't even post his things. You you always tell when you're over the target. Yeah. It's the stuff that gets censored the fastest. Yes. And you know remember at the beginning remember that guy Dr. Searles, I think was his name and he's reporting live from the ICU in New York City, the respiratory intensive oh, yeah. care yes. unit yes. and he goes this doesn't look right. Yes. These people seem to have high altitude pulmonary mm. edema. They're starved for oxygen. Mm. What is this? You know, And he's sort of in earnest, like yes. a real doctor on the front lines, like yes, we would I be. Remember. Mm. remember? And of course, yes. not only did he lose his job, mm. I mean, they sent him down to the emergency room. He yeah. lost his job as a respiratory intensive care intensivist. But then they, they censored that video right away. There was a doctor in Texas. Do you remember, Dr. Grant, the internist? She showed up on YouTube. She had great black cowboy boots, and she was treating everyone with the Zelenko protocol, the HCQ and zinc, and uh, you know the Z pack and all that. Her patients, she said, "My patients are all getting better." I know a bunch of farmers in Missouri. They all had it, but they had to feed the cows, so they didn't really get very sick. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is I. This is going to go down in history. Oh yes, and the big. I mean, we thought. That the Jews in World War II, mm-hmm. You know what I say to people? Did you ever wonder what it would be like in Germany, like how Hitler got away with that? Mm-hmm. Now you know. Yeah, exactly. Now you know. Exactly. Same psychology.
2: I mean, it's been used. You know, the same tactics that are just recycled. I'm not an expert on that stuff, but it's um, that's been my biggest thing with this. Like y'all are talking about, is the the psychology. It's that it's that they know how to prey on fear. Right? Fear is all they have. Any state institution, right? That's how you get control is you keep people afraid of something, whether it's war, war, right? War on drugs, war on terror, Mm -hmm. war on viruses.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. So, but they're playing now on your deepest instinct, which is to survive. And so once people are scared that they're going to die, they Mm -hmm. will do anything. They'll say anything. They'll snitch on their neighbor for not wearing a mask. It doesn't matter. Um, And that's, it's been a big, For me and I told my wife this early on even before I really started looking into this was there's there is a certain side that's much more hysterical and I don't want to make it political but there's there seems to be one side that's much more hysterical well we all found
1: that out in Maine (laughs) yeah yeah
2: but they're the people who make it out like they care about other people's health when you know that's not true right based on track records and I told my wife I said this is not about them caring about other people These people are terrified to die. They don't know what's next. They don't have any grounding, like they are just scared out of their minds and they'll do anything that it takes to stay alive.
3: And, And that survival fear is actually a very narcissistic state. It's designed to be because, you know, if we're running away from a tiger, we're not worried about our neighbor three doors down the street. So when that's triggered repeatedly by this constant drip fed narrative from the mainstream news that most people are watching, they're maintained into that state. So, it's you know, uh, their prefrontal cortices don't have much a, of a look in. Their amygdalas are being triggered again and again. So, you know, we've all had the experience, I'm sure. We can have all the data and the scientific evidence in the world. They will not see it if they're in that deep survival state. And they don't want to see it because they think if they maintain that fear uh, somehow, in a distorted way, they will survive if they maintain You know, Stephen fear. King, the novelist from Maine, yes. uh,
1: has reported that he is very afraid to fly. And when he is flying, his constant fear and anxiety is what keeps the plane in the yes, air.
3: precisely. And this is what's happening because people argue for the pandemic. You know, they want to, you know, don't tell me it's not happening. They want to maintain that fear because the same reason they, they think they're surviving if they stay in that that fear state. And and people do get addicted to those um, stress hormones, of course. And As imagine
2: what them. the fear is doing to, to, to your health. I mean, that's been oh, my yeah. big, you know, one of the other concerns, just stress alone. I think it's, um, you know, I'm a fan of Malcolm Kendrick, who talks about cholesterol con and all that. And he's shown those graphs for the uh, massive spikes and heart attacks right before uh, Berlin Wall came down, all that, just the stress. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can't prove I, but what else was going on? At the, I mean, that was probably a factor. It was just the massive stress leading to that. And and what's happened over the last year with people, just the sheer stress alone, I don't, it's horrible.
3: Uh, well, it is. And you know, sustained fear is not consistent with health. Yep. So, you know, what is happening is that it's doing the opposite, obviously, from what people think. That's you right. know, fear is a great motivator in the short term, but it's just not consistent with health in the long term because the energies are disparate. It can't be. So in a funny way, we could be setting ourselves up for a pandemic. Uh, hopefully right. not. Hopefully we avert that, a real one. I mean, you know, because of, you know, all the sanctions, the social distancing, the, you know, trying to block out, um, you know, that whole idea is completely absurd to me. I'm trying to actually physically block out a virus. Um, <laughs> <you know? laughs> Am I the only one who sees it like that?
1: <laughs> no. I mean, come on. You go into a restaurant, you have to wear a mask. You sit down, you don't need to wear a mask. You have to get up to go to the bathroom, you have to wear a mask. It is such a stupid pantomime that, you know, I mean, and and it's kind of, well, I need to ask you. So one of the things that that I have done is I have started actual face-to-face meetings. I tell people we're the underground railroad here. We're hiding Jews, we're the Jews. And there's something so healthy about yep. getting together with groups, oh yes, in person, yes. hugging, no masks, no social distancing, no little circles, no plexiglass, and what happens is this has become magical. Working with um, Pam Popper out of Ohio, yes. makeamericansfreeagain.com. dot com, mm-hmm. and what happens is the well being mm-hmm. of getting together with other people, like you were talking about the frontal lobes.
2: Yeah,
1: everyone relaxes because we're, we're all here, everyone's safe. And then you begin to get ideas for what to do. So we all went out to um, the Western Maine on the New Hampshire border. We had a Valentine's brunch at a restaurant that was going down. We wanted to save them. We all paid cash. You know, We probably took care of the mortgage for that month And Pam does, you know, they all everyone goes painting at this woman's thing where she has ceramic painting and they Mm. do that on Tuesdays. And I mean, no one's doing anything else. I mean, it's not like we're going to the ballet or movies or theater anymore. So (laughs) anything, you know, we've identified bowling alleys that will let us in. So we have uh, this ever growing stealth group. Yes. We don't put anything on social media because that's okay. you know that's where the dragons be. Mm-hmm. That's where the the trolls are. You know, and and mm-hmm. when I have people come to the house, I say, carpool. I got some really scared neighbors who will report me. You know.
3: Yes.
1: Yes. Um, but I I think anything like that. Yes. Begins to change the the narrative because you then realize if. Uh, Pam has a business rescue strategy. I love this. Okay, you get 100 small businesses in one county mm-hmm. to open up at the same time, take out the circles, plex, mm-hmm. the plexiglass, the thing.
3: Mm-hmm. And they
1: have a packet yeah. for when the state minion comes. Yes. And it says, we are a well-funded group and we are suing the uh, the governor for fraud because the governor cannot prove mm-hmm. that there is a state of emergency with a test that was never designed to even be diagnostic of anything.
3: Mm, And
1: if we find that there has indeed been fraud, Mm -hmm. you will not be protected. You could lose your house. So are you willing to take that risk? You might want to go back home and check with your supervisor. So imagine if
3: enough of us, if we reach critical mass and we get there, It's it's over. Yep. It's over. Oh, it's it, it'd be over in a day if enough people stood up and said, this is yeah. ridiculous. I'm not doing that's,
2: it. But that's the thing, right? you need uh, the it's
3: getting the numbers. numbers. And I, I agree. And it's, it's finding your own little communities, which I've done. And um, because the whole social distancing thing, and I was saying before, we had a very harsh lockdown in Melbourne uh, for three months where we were allowed um, to leave the house for an hour. Uh, for exercise. We had to stay within five kilometers of our home unless we were essential workers. And we had a curfew on top of that. And it was brutal. It was brutal. And there was a high suicide rate, which is completely denied. You know, the mental health escalated enormously. And uh, we are communal creatures. We need people. And, you know, there were elderly people who couldn't see their family in their homes. And you couldn't have a couldn't go and visit someone in a nursing home. Uh, so they don't catch the virus, but they would die alone without the loving embrace. Oh, yeah, that I mean, was okay. you know, just just draconian, horrible, horrible stories. So we are communal creatures, as you saying. we need people. It's essential. And, you know, oxytocin is, is a great it's great for our immune systems and lowers stress, particularly when we're in, you know, fraught situations. So all these sanctions I see as a complete inversion, every one of them of what is good and healthy for us. Yep. Every single one, particularly the mass, in my opinion.
0: Deject yep. um, for one moment, if that's okay. Yep. Uh, I Just speaking on the topic of fear, in my search of trying to identify whether or not a virus causes disease, I actually came across uh, a paper published in 1930. And in that, they found some interesting conclusions and this is a little excerpt that i'd like to read from the paper and it said um it was apparent very early that this individual was more or less unreliable and from the start it was possible to keep him in the dark regarding our procedure so that what they were trying to do was experimentally infect people with the virus so they exposed him to the virus uh they exposed him to a um saline solution okay he had inconspicuous symptoms after his test injection of sterile broth and no more striking results from the cold field trip until an assistant on the second day after injection inadvertently referred to his failure to contract a cold. That evening and night, the subject reported severe symptomology including sneezing, cough, sore throat and stuffiness in the nose. The next morning, he was told by the same assistant he'd been misinformed in regard to the nature of the filtrate and his symptoms subsided within the hour Uh, and it's important to note that there was an entire absence of objective pathological changes so what that says to me is that he created his disease with his mind and he cured himself with his mind so is that what we're seeing here is there actually a virus making people sick or is the fear the catalyst for people creating the illness within themselves. What, what's going on here? What do you think? Dr. Grant, any ideas?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's going to be, I don't think it's one thing, right? Cause you do still have the normal run of the mill. I don't want to say viruses because that's out the window for me at this point, but colds, flus, detoxification symptoms, whatever you want to call them. Those mm-hmm. things are still, are still here with us. Right. But yeah, if you have, and th- that was my, another big fear of mine was, if you get a positive test and you think there's a deadly germ or whatever running around you you're going to that nocebo effect is going to probably take place and take hold and you could you could manifest those symptoms easily you know most of the people i've talked to over the last year you know friends around that have had what they call covid or a flu or whatever I, it's funny how I always see it happen after some kind of major stressor in a lot of these people, uh, loss of a loved one, and then the family all of a sudden gets sick. Um, I was sick in October with, for two days after three, three nights of really poor sleep and weather change, and I was run down, and I just you know, I let it run its course, and it was fine. You know, I didn't once go get tested or think I had something, um, right. but I do know that the fear can definitely do this. Again, going with just what I've seen with my background with testosterone and the estrogen issue and how men have convinced themselves that they have these symptoms because they Google searched high estrogen symptoms, which are a load of crap. And yet they they would convince themselves they had those. But then when you talk them out of it and you change their mind, they don't have them anymore, even though the levels go up. And so it's it's no different, right? And Imagine this with HIV, imagine getting a positive HIV test for all these people that means nothing, Mm -hmm. what that does to your psyche. And and so it it just, I agree, I think the fear is a catalyst. I think, you know, there were some people that came out talking about New York and some of these big public hospitals that were swarmed in that four week death spike, which is by no means any kind of contagion or viral. And that's just not how it would work, even if it was real. Um, that were just panicking. These people were scared to death, bun-rushing these ERs, 35-year-olds with panic attacks. They can't breathe. If you've ever had an anxiety attack, it's horrible. I've had it Um, because you convince yourself there's something going on and then you make it worse. It's sort of like a forward feeding mechanism. So yeah, I I agree. I I think fear is, and and seeing a study like that, I think there was another one, um, Kelly Brogan had posted it on her website and I read this probably nine months ago where, they it was it was a psychological experiment and yet they told these two groups they were getting a cold virus right in their noses but they had them rate their health ahead of time and it was the only people who actually developed symptoms were people who already self-rated their health as poor um, so they already they, they thought of themselves as just being and, and we see that in clinical practice right all the time the patients who kind of just, they've put themselves in that position to be this unhealthy as they are because of their lifestyle and the way they think about themselves. And it's sort of this downward spiral. So to me, the mental aspect of this is the biggest eye opener for me in the last year is how much the mind controls everything else. Cause it's, you know, we like to compartmentalize, right? We're the, the materialist worldview, thinks mm-hmm. that just breaking things down into all these little parts and saying that's what these do and they don't it's not like a symphony to them right with the mind orchestrating everything and and they think that again we can talk about this later the cell culture it's a joke you think putting cells in a monolayer in a petri dish has anything to do with what's going on inside your body i know what, where did you where did you get that right what empirical evidence told you that well they don't have that they just assume it so mm-hmm. It's just um, the mind is powerful. So that's that's for me, that's why I try to talk to my patients now about positive attitudes. And I have guys that will they're on the internet all the time and they're going, "Well, what kind of bad side effects can I expect when I start this hormone replacement? And I go, don't expect any bad side effects, expect to feel great. Because if you expect to have bad side effects, you will find them. You, you will find them, any little thing, and you'll blame it on that. I see it all the time. And it's the people who overthink these things have almost this hypochondriasis about stuff that they end up having these a lot of more of these health issues for sure. I'm not saying that's the only cause of these symptoms, obviously, but I do think it's a big factor.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if also, if people knew from the very beginning that there were cheap and safe protocols that nobody needed to die, and you know, so you got to love Simone Gold, who's just out there, America's frontline doctors, and she's created a parallel system yeah. uh, of, of telemedicine. Mm -hmm. So, that anybody can call up the telemedicine center and have ivermectin or HCQ sent to their local pharmacy. And, you know, obviously it's better if you put it with some vitamin D. I mean, the number of people with suboptimal vitamin D levels, because all the dermatologists have taught us to be afraid of the sun, you know, uh, and then vitamin C. I listened to Andrew Saul early on, he was sending tons of vitamin C to China. And this was funny. So his interviewer says to him, so if this is so effective and, you know, Linus Pauling, he wins two Nobel prizes, but then, you know, he talks about vitamin C. So obviously he's now demented. You know, I get that too. You were so good. Whatever happened to you? Nothing happened to me. Um, But anyway, the vitamin C thing. So Andrew Saul's interviewer says, well, if this is so effective and it clearly is, what, what do you think's going on? Andrew Saul, without missing a beat goes, Satan. (laughs) And I thought, that's probably the best reason out there. I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine. And I'll tell you where I am. I was listening to my colleague, James Grunvig, who's an investigative reporter who works with me on Millions Against Medical Mandates. So we have a group, you know, and we put out facts, not, you know, we, we think, we think that we're getting the the movable middle, right? Um, but James was talking with a guy on the Isle of Man. And this guy is kind of organizing the whole Isle of Man. And he said, first, I had to get over my depression about what was going on. And then I was really angry and I'm still working on that. But he said, I've, I've kind of come to acceptance. And I was talking with a person today about acceptance because watching my colleagues, get the the vaccine and friends as well. Mm -hmm. And realizing that with pathogenic priming, they're probably not gonna do very well in the very near future. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing I can do. And so my compassion is really though, it's for the people who, the women whose daughters and sons have said, you can't see your grandchildren until you've had this shot or a husband gets the shot, but the woman doesn't, or a young woman who asked me, all right, my, my husband's gonna get the shot, but we wanna get pregnant. And is this gonna affect the DNA in his semen? Should I stay away from that for a while? And of course my gut says, uh, yeah, you absolutely, I mean, even in the clinical trials, yeah. they said, do not get pregnant or get anyone pregnant for six months, but that's just, we don't even know. I mean, if once you get into the transhumanism agenda that Carrie Madej introduced me to, it's so horrifying that, you know, if people can't accept the germ theory of disease, Mm -hmm. imagine accepting the luciferase dye and the micro needle array (laughs) and the 060606 patent for cryptocurrency And imagine that you're going to be just a little unit in the matrix. By the way, I have this insurance that calls me, right? This is matrix medical. You're eligible for a free, uh, you know, whatever. They'll come to my house and do a physical matrix medical. I mean, come on. Sometimes it's too funny. It's like like you are never coming here like ever. (laughs) I'm not going to get in your matrix. But I do think people like us will create a parallel system. It's almost like the old system with the insurances and all that, it just needs to die. Washington DC needs to die. The whole public school education system just needs to die. We're gonna be building something parallel alongside it. When I listen to these parents say, okay, what are we gonna do about camp? Are kids gonna need to have all these mandated vaccines to go to camp and how do we this and it's like, just step out of it. Don't beg for your human rights.
3: Just step away. Compromising, that's not going to work.
1: There is no compromising. I I just heard from a a colleague of mine who did amazing research, Winifred Cutler, who runs the Athena Institute. By the way, she creates incredible pheromones for both men and women. Sex attractant pheromones, they're really, really uh, very well studied. And she uses the money for beautiful research. So this was research that she did on the fact that, and you all know this, mammograms pick up way too many things we would die with, but not die from. Same with the PSA test, you know, um, the patient's uh, stimulating anxiety test. And uh, so she's got all the data on how they're over-diagnosing breast cancer. And, you know, Adam Schiff down at Boston, you know, with Brigham and Women's a great, head of the program, wonderful paper, all that. She says to me, I can't get it out here. I can't get it out in the medical literature. I guess we're just gonna have to go to the consumer directly. And I learned that years ago. It's like trying to change your profession from within. You're competing against good looking Texas cheerleaders who are drug reps, it's never gonna work.
3: Um, I I 100% agree with that. No, it's not going to happen within. I agree. Building something alongside. And it's interesting that, um, you know, most of my colleagues, and I'm not in contact with a lot of medical people for a variety of reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. Um, A lot of people, you know, who might, you know, have a whiff that something's not quite right and not speaking out because they don't want to lose their jobs. Well, you know, that's never going to work in the long run a lot of people are hanging on to what they're going to lose anyway uh, out of fear because uh, yeah. the system is not sustainable at least at least um, a lot of things have been exposed that maybe we took for granted prior and regarding vaccines you know at least some people are looking at the whole vaccine schedule and the problems with that because of the the covert vaccine and they might not have previously they might have just gone on and had the schedule but now some people are stepping back and saying whoa okay you know this is uh something maybe we need to examine a little bit more closely before we get them injected into the um young bodies of our babies and, and yeah. children
1: no, uh, well you know this mrna vaccine yes. the um the fat wrapper around the mrna the peg stuff i was on a a call with Dr. Judy Mikovits, and yes. she talked about how that particular substance is associated with infertility yes. because it becomes an autoimmune to uh, gonadal tissue. Yes. And I've had young women come up to me telling me they were menopausal as a result of the Gardasil shot. Yes, and you know, they're also now giving that to nine and 10 year old oh, boys. Can you talk to that Dr. Grant because um, I know no, they're giving Gardasil to young men now.
2: Yeah, and, it's not, and I don't see pediatrics here, um, but even in residency, we didn't deal with that. I guess the pediatricians still okay. just really, you know, and they're they're rated on their, how good they are at giving vaccines. Oh, yeah, I,
1: I, that's I, their that Yelp rating. Yeah, yeah, Lubium how many vaccines they give, yep.
2: Um, so I'm not sure about that. My, my sister had the Gardasil shot, and, and they... They feel strongly she might have gotten Hodgkin's lymphoma from that. I mean, I don't know. There's no way to prove that, right? There's vaccines are what the the largest you know coincidences in the world, or right? that's what they say. <laughs> yeah. um, but going back to kind of what y'all are saying, um, I 100% agree with this parallel system. Or right? we have we can't change it from within. And I've said this about government for a long time because people think they're going to keep voting their way to freedom, and I'm, I don't think that's going to happen. No. You have to start something different and. I talked to my sister about this because she's a public school teacher and, you know, they're still doing it because people do what's comfortable and they have to survive. They have to make money. I get it. I don't fault people for doing it. And, and I'm the same. I'm risk averse. I mean, I am. But at some point, we're going to have to step outside of the current system because it's just it, there's so many layers, right, that, that you're never going to un, undo those layers. The, the public school system is a train wreck. Academia is a train wreck. I mean, it really is the, the amount of dogmatic nonsense that gets pushed into people's heads every day by people who think they're enlightened and are doing science or whatever you want to call it. They're, they're not. Um, and they just come out worse than, you know, children are the best because they ask questions and they have open minds. And then when they get to school, they're said, don't ask that, shut up. And that was me my whole life. Why are you asking that? I mean, I can remember asking my Sunday school teacher and when I was six years old, about the nature of infinity and time, and you know, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> but you know, but people, I think there would be more people who ask questions like that going through. But you're just told to shut up and memorize. And and there's a saying, you know, in theoretical physics, a lot of those guys where they're told to shut up and calculate because it's not about what's reality; it's about what you can calculate in an equation, right? Um, yeah. So we have to get out of this. We have to form a new system. I don't, I don't have the answers. You know, people are always like, well, what's your alternative? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't, that's that's the beautiful part, right? And that's the awesome thing about this year. If if I can have one positive thing, is that it has opened the door for these conversations that have been kind of taboo for a while and people think reasonable. you're kooky and crazy. And more normies are finally waking up to seeing some of these issues. So that's the silver lining, I think. <laughs>
3: there's always a silver lining, you know, it's such a dark night of the soul for so many of us collectively and individually. There's got to be a really good silver lining that comes out of it.
2: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's like you're talking about the acceptance phase. And that's where I told my wife the other day, I said, I I think I'm finally at that. I mean, it's because I was so angry in March. So angry.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, and that's not healthy, right? And I knew that. I knew things were not going to go right if I kept having that anger. And anger turned into, I don't know what it turned into. Um, and I just became this machine reading papers nonstop. My wife literally was like, you've got to get off the internet. And I was like, I can't, I can't, this is too No, important. no,
1: I get it. I get it. It was yeah. like, it was that, it was that sort of getting a- information like from a fire hose, you know, and I was talking to Pam, like, we you know, listen to a lecture on YouTube when we're brushing our teeth or taking a bath yeah. and, you know, because yeah. you knew you were being lied to and we had to take in the stuff. It's almost like this. Do you feel this way? Like... I've been called, like somehow my soul has been called to uh, lead an army or be part of an army of people who are rising up to create something different. And I just can't seem to leave my post. You know, I'd like to like practice my heart more and all that, but it's, uh, you know, not until we get a handle on this, you know, it's like, I can't stop until at least, one or two counties in Maine. See, I'm, I'm really into the, uh, the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association and Andrew mm-hmm. Mack, because I think those are the people who are going to save us. So we're talking to the county commissioners, the ones who are for freedom, you know, and then we're all emailing them and saying we're behind you because when you're just a lone voice out there and you're the only one, they're just going to pop you off. They're going to pick us off one at a time, but not when there's so many of us. Yeah. And have you noticed mm-hmm. that you're now connecting with people all over the world, like Dolores Cahill and uh, Sasha Stone and all these people from all over the world are,
3: they're like the soul family. That's how it feels. So, you know, I think we've all lost uh, friends and family and colleagues through this, but um, <laughs> the, the, the new associations have been absolutely, um, absolutely delightful. So it's, it's been yeah, a wonderful thing that's coming out of this experience. Yep, and
2: um, I agree. Um, I, going back to what you're saying about the sheriffs and constables, and I, you know, I've I've spoken to local friends of mine, you know, who are sheriffs, and you know, you just kind of pick their brain a little bit. ask, you know, they come down with a mass mandate. Are you, are you guys going to enforce it? And I've been telling people talk to your law enforcement friends about this because that's a big deal, and they need to be held. You know, accountable and, and you will find I think more so in the sheriff's uh, departments than the police um, a little more friendly to constitution and liberty and um, you know it's good to have those conversations because you we got to hold everybody accountable for the for what they're doing and I, you know it I don't know I, I have so many thoughts flying around right now it's um as far as like losing friends. I mean, I don't know that I, I probably don't have a lot because I'm such a kind of an outcast anyway. I mean, we're friendly with everybody. Um, we don't, you know, I've never been a big social uh, butterfly. I'll put it that way. But, uh, but seeing some of the, and I'm, I'm seeing what's going on around us and we're in Texas, right? I mean, it's not masked city around here. I mean, but it is for Texas. It's insane for, for where I right. live. And I never thought that would happen here. Yes, and I can that's remember, right. vividly remember in March, at the end of March, a friend of mine in Arkansas who had a friend who knew something said, governor's probably gonna be issuing a mask mandate tomorrow. And I thought, "Huh, well, that'll never happen here, you know? And within about a week, Governor mm-hmm. Abbott's on the whatever, the news and, and doing this crap. And I, it just was this gut-wrenching mm-hmm. feeling. Yeah. And, and, but seeing people that go along with it, people I never thought would, That's been, that's when the the hardest thing for me is just seeing the, like you say, the, the, almost like the neighbor turning on neighbor. Um, Yes. It's just crazy. The mind control and the fear, like we're going back to the fear, but you know, the, I don't know, the patients I've talked to, right. And most of them actually, most of my patients are pretty savvy. I mean, most of my guys, they're driving down from, I mean, we're real close to Oklahoma and they're cowboys from Oklahoma and they get it. They're like, doc, what do you think about all this? And I'm like, what do you think about, you know, I kind of leave it, turn it back on them. I don't want to fill their heads with anything that I think. Yeah. And they'll kind of go into their spiel. And I go, I think that's wise, you know, or something. They'll ask me about the vaccine. And this has been the really interesting thing the last few weeks. What do you think about this vaccine? And are you getting it? And I'll say, no, I'm not getting it. And I'll give them just a few reasons. And you can almost see relief in their eyes you can see that they've been just tormented about this because of the peer pressure, mm-hmm. but they oh, yeah. know deep down, they really don't wanna do it. And that's just been, it's been amazing.
1: Exactly. Well, think about it. Okay, so we have a virus with a 99.7 or 99.9% survival rate. What are we doing oh, giving a vaccine that has a, a you know at least a 13% adverse reaction rate, what are we doing? You don't you don't need it when there's such good therapeutics. Exactly. And I guess if I want the audience to know anything, it's there isn't any need for this. We have cures for whatever this thing is. If it's exosomes, it's, it's if it's from, you know, five G. Because did you notice last March, while you were sleeping, five G towers were going oh, yeah. up like mushrooms oh, everywhere. Very, very much so in my area,
3: very. Yeah. Yeah, so I think
2: regardless of what
3: it, what it the is. curfew so. we had, um, yeah. you know, many just popped up like mushrooms. It's actually the terminology uh, I used. I mean, the thing about masks is how anyone actually believes they work is beyond, you know. No. I, I don't understand how people actually think it's it's protecting their health to where one of those germ health hazards in my opinion it's not
1: just for no it's protecting others that's how they get you that's the psyop right there you wear you know we had on our the you know the highway wearing is caring oh my god you know the bs of that one and then you get the vaccine it's virtue signaling yes it it is is this weird fascist Mm-hmm. You do it for the good of community. Your yeah. community. Yeah. Wear the mask. Decrease oxygen so you can't oh. think. But you're yeah. going to do that for others. It is the biggest load of crap that has. But you know, you were saying that earlier. Um, this beautiful, empathetic, compassionate, innocent human nature, where you really do want to do what's right for your fellow man and they've hijacked it
3: exactly And what dark controllers. controllers yes i agree and what has surprised me is how compliant the the youth have been in this country at least yep. you know the vast majority obviously with some exceptions have been almost unquestioningly compliant and someone said well, well that's
1: because they've been in the bill gates psyop called education for exactly. the past 30, 30
3: years but uh, someone said, "Well, they've been told that if they don't do comply and wear masks, they'll be killing their parents and their grandparents." So, you know, that sort of goodism—we have to do this for others—has infiltrated that young group. Because I expected them to come out and really yeah. protest against this. And yeah. uh, I, think so, gonna, I think
2: they're going to—I think they're going to be kids about it, and see it as a fashion statement. Oh, let me see your mask. Your, your mask is cooler than mine. We were about that the that other hair. day, and it's—you it know—it's just becoming normal to them. But you yeah. know. Yeah. I think with the youth, you know, they've been already kind of isolated more than we probably were with, you yeah. know, I know I sound like my parents used to, right? Talking about video games and all that. But I think there's more, you're, you're sucked into the computer more anyway, all of us are. And they're into into technology and they, they, they think technology is cool, right? They think technology science, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they'll go along with all these people saying the science, the science, the science, because, hey, science is cool, right? They're wearing their NASA t-shirts. They think they're awesome. And so they're going to go along with this stuff because they don't want to be looked at as like they're not sciencey, right? And so it's, that's another part of the, the hijacking of everything. They hijack everything. And that's what pseudoscience does. That's what virology has done. Virology has hijacked genetics, turned it on, on its head. Um, in so many ways, and, and we could go down that rabbit trail of a lot of things that have been hijacked in different areas, um, but yeah, that, I mean, overall, you're right, they just, they're preying on people's goodwill to want to take care of other people because deep down, we, we do, um, for the most part, but they've, they've twisted it and made it this, you know, this horrible guilt trip, PSYOP, and, you know, my favorite thing is they say, my mask protects you, not me, and I say, well, turn around inside out, then you're good. So. <laughs>
3: Uh, I I think they're quite dehumanizing personally. And uh, that's what they're for. And they're also they're 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 seeing how far they can
1: push it. Yes. You know, like, oh, well, that didn't take long, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. so. But but I can sleep at night because I really believe, you know, do you know Stephen Greer's work, the Disclosure Project? He's an ER doc and down south and he's done the whole thing with the extraterrestrials, the ETs which I've never had much interest in, but he talks about the fact that when only 1% of us get in resonance, like complete parasympathetic, sympathetic resonance, beat to beat variability of the heart, we create an electromagnetic field around us that positively affects everybody else. And if we only get 1% in that state, everybody flips. And I do believe that people are waking up, and I don't think it's going to be the majority of people. And I, you know, I have another doctor friend, and we laugh. Yeah. Do you think we should be investing in funeral homes? I mean, we, you know, it's well, you know, you were trained as a surgeon, you know how you got to have gallows humor. You yeah, never yeah, get yeah.
3: that.
1: Oh um, okay. <laughs> but, but I do think that the people who are left, I mean, it's almost like, all right. If, if you have cognitive dissonance that's that bad and your inner wisdom, your, your barometer of truth is that off, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it's your sole choice to just recycle. Yeah. Because this has been something I think for every doctor mm-hmm. is um, what, what do you owe someone in terms of rescuing them from themselves and their own behavior? You know, and I've been really uh, kind of a a rescue addict for a lot of my career, not so much now. Now it's like, there's nothing I can do. I give the information. Mm -hmm. I tell people what they need to do. And then it's on you. And, you know, I remember, um, one time in my residency, I got up at 5 AM or something and a woman had, ruptured her membranes with a Shradkar cerclage in the cervix. And of course that's a nidus for infection. So you remove it. And then she delivered an, a non-viable 20 weaker. And my, the, the head of the program accused me of killing the baby because he said, you should have been up all night smoking out problems. And in that very moment, I thought, well, Anybody who believes that, if you really believe that you're personally responsible for all of this kind of thing, you could, you could never be an effective doctor. You would be guilt-ridden. You would be, you know, it's bad enough because we do make mistakes. We do miss stuff. Yeah, but uh, when, you know, when I'm trained that my job is to literally walk around and that I have enough power by walking around the hospital all night and being totally sleep deprived, that I have the power to prevent every bad thing that's mm-hmm. going to happen. I am not anyone else's higher power; they have their own. I hundred. You know, and we're not trained that way. I mean, I don't know how you were trained, but I was oh, trained. It's, the same. it's the same. We're responsible
3: for everything. Oh yeah, pay many thousands in medical defense, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, that uh, responsibility is imposed upon us by the system. But it's, right. it's based on a total misconception, as you said, because the soul is going to choose, I believe, to go when it's going to go. And we, we might play a part. If they have decided they're staying, we might play a part in that. But we, we, we're we not the final uh, arbitrator of whether...
1: No, and, the, and meanwhile, Big Pharma is immune to anything and everything. I mean, if you just think yes. of the ridiculousness of that. Yeah.
3: yeah, and the thing also is that... you like illness and even death is not always the enemy but this yeah. whole COVID thing has pointed out that well you can't get ill you most definitely cannot die but you know it's it's sometimes a tough love teacher to to get an illness it's you know I, I think the body's never it's always on our side even through the experience of illness yeah, Now, I- as physicians and healthcare practitioners of course we want people to be as healthy and live as long as they can but a lot of that is out of our hands And sometimes that illness is a perfect catalyst for them to grow and develop. And that includes infectious diseases and childhood um, pandemics as well. You know, the measles and the mumps. uh, Some would say, well, the child had a a jump in its uh, maturity after surviving that infection. And we know there'll be a small percentage who don't survive. But we've totally bypassed that sort of understanding that illness sometimes is the greatest teacher. So we're trying to physically block out this supposed virus with mechanical means. I mean, in this, where I live, we even have people with big bottles of disinfectant and cloths in outside areas, spraying disinfectant on, on, yes, true. (laughs) True. And I I looked around when I first saw this and my my jaw just dropped and I thought, this can't be real, I'm, I'm imagining this. But what surprised me more is that no one else seemed to notice that someone's with a bottle of disinfectant at the beach, spraying yeah. outside structures with this um, disinfectant.
2: It's normal, right? Normal. Yeah. Apparently
3: that's uh, normal.
2: But uh, you're, you know, what you're talking about with death, being. A, I mean, even without death, right? That that change, if we didn't have it, we wouldn't do the th- certain things that we already do. I mean, of course that's even a teacher in itself as illness is, but you know, I use those in, in clinic, you know, when, when I see a 28-year-old who's already a male who's got low testosterone and type 2 diabetes, and God. I say, dude, this, this is your chance, right? You've got to make a change. You've got to. You've got to use this, and, and a lot of people don't understand how horrible diabetes is
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, or can be, right, mm-hmm. um, and they don't get it, And and but that's, that's the thing is you, you use these moments to teach people to take care of themselves, but that's all taken away when the government, and the CDC and pharma is telling you it's, it's not your fault. It's, a, it's dead nuclear material that somehow floats around and invades your body and replicates itself, right? They've, they've turned nature into a weapon, right? Everything's out to get you. We are here to protect you from dirty, bad, yeah. invisible things, material that's roaming around trying to kill you. Um, it's insane. Instead of teaching you that your health is your responsibility overall. Yeah, there's still things out there. I mean, there's toxins in the water and the soil and the air and right. And things that we don't have control over unless you go live in the most pristine conditions on earth and provide for yourself, which nobody, not many people are going to do. So it's hard to avoid those exposures, but you can still control what you can control, right? And that includes what you put in your body, number one, what you do with yourself physically, and then emotionally. I mean, you see people in these toxic, excuse me, toxic relationships, stressed all the time, um, massive drug abuse going on, alcoholism, and, and it all feeds off each other. And they're the sickest people. And I'll see a 40 year old who looks 30 years older than that. Um, yes. That's not knocking 70 year olds, by the way. I'm just saying they, they've aged so much from just their lifestyle and I we see it all the time there's a horrible meth problem in southeastern Oklahoma and kind of around here in the small towns and it's unbelievable when you see these people what it's done And you get a cat scan on them and the the calcifications in their arterial system is unbelievable um I, I can have a, a somebody using meth who uh, will have a kidney stone and within six weeks we'll make another one uh that wasn't there right there's something metabolically going on like so whatever these people are doing it's just not appropriate for their health and so we we have to push that but that's not taught to us right in medical school and in residency it's yeah. really not taught that that yeah. you have to take care of yourself
3: yeah and underline those sort of scenarios is often um deep unresolved childhood wounding that's never oh, been addressed and then absolutely. it becomes you know escalates for, for from there and it may never be it's often not addressed um, absolutely The the way I see the situation now is that we've been led to this point with the vaccine rollouts by our nose for about 100 years, starting with the Flexner report,
1: where we've
3: been uh, absolutely uh, taught to distrust the natural world, to think that nature is against us fighting us, and that we can only trust the artificial and something produced in a laboratory. And uh, I don't know about where you are, but certainly my profession here, you know, um, anything natural is seen as just you know, throw it away, you're wasting your money sort of thing. Um, so that that's kind of a mindset that's been taught in, in the profession here. So, you know, the, the rollout of the vaccines is the pinnacle. As you said, Dr. Northrup, there's very little talk about vitamin D, vitamin C these affordable, safe, accessible therapies that, uh, you know, are immensely beneficial. Yet people have seen the rollout of a, a woefully, inadequately experimental, um vaccines that's gonna mess with our genetics for who kn- long who knows how long as the savior because we've been taught to not you know distrust the natural and only trust the artificial yep. within the the profession um yeah. well and you can't patent the natural
1: except exactly. you can't make money on it you know if this is synthetic mrna and it is
3: Yes, exactly.
1: And uh, Dr. Carrie Maday was at a meeting in 2012, mm-hmm. she said in London, where they literally talked about yes. patenting yes. the humans who would be injected with this mRNA. And now, Moderna, in an article that I read, said, Yes, this is just a platform for we can do anything with this mm-hmm. mRNA, getting your body mm-hmm. to produce. The antibodies against the spike protein yes. of the COVID thing, which is, and we don't even know what it's the spike protein of, but <laughs> as Sherry Tenpenny points out, and yeah, exactly. the type one macrophage will go in and create inflammation. Mm-hmm. But this has a Trojan horse aspect where the type two macrophage that's supposed to clean up the inflammation will not work, it am, uh, has amnesia. And that's how it's that's the one to that's how it's going to create massive inflammation and autoimmune disease. Not now, but at a later down the track. Yeah, down the track. yeah.
2: yeah. I, I mean, I've been concerned about the nanoparticles too. Just like you say, the peg, um, the lipid nanoparticles. You know, in the trials, they looked at where those accumulated: uh, lymph nodes, spleen, liver massive accumulation and you don't know where else they're being taken up, right? Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know enough about them to know if they would even need a specific receptor if they just diffuse across the cell membrane based because they're lipid, right? Um, I don't know, but it, that was my biggest concern was I mentioned that to somebody on Facebook. Um, I just mentioned some concerns because I try to stay, you know. I yeah, I yeah. You know, and I just say, well, here, here's some concerns. Where are these particles going to go? What cells are going to take them up? What will be the response, the immediate response? Uh, and they, they just said, oh, that's just crazy. And I go, well, that's even legitimate. Even in these papers, they mentioned Like, before they did the emergency youth authorization, you know, those all those files were released. Somebody hacked all those and released them. You can read them. And those were the same exact questions I had said. And then, you know, a lot of people say, this will never in- integrate in your DNA. That's in, you know, it's not going to happen. And I go, okay, no one can say that for a fact. there. We You've do have it. our own reverse transcriptase no. in our bodies, right? This is known. So to say that it's impossible, that's insane to
1: say that.
3: Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, it, it, extraordinary. It's interesting that they uh, banned hydroxychloroquine. It was illegal for me to prescribe it. They came in February of last year because of, um, even though it was around for decades, yet it's okay to um, roll out, as I said, a woefully inadequately tested experimental vaccine on the largely healthy population. This is what people forget. So we can't give a, a good medication to a sick person, yet we can give this experimental vaccine to the whole healthy population. And we know there's an agenda behind it, but the public don't, it's, that's what's so concerning. Yeah, but words, here's the deal, yeah. but here's
1: the problem. Here we are, we know this. Yes, we tell the public this Mm. and we're the crazy ones. Oh, yeah, (laughs) of course. So so there's no. No. Okay, the way I see it is. It's probably time for them to recycle because there's nothing I can do. And if that's the path, I want to uh, allow them the dignity of their own timeline. Exactly. And I don't want to spend my time and I know you don't either. I don't want to spend my time. So frustrated yeah. that somebody can't see this, but you know, even in my own inner circles, we have people whose husbands are getting the vaccine; they don't want it. Uh, whose, you know, whose children are getting it, uh, and it's causing so much, so many rifts in families. And it's interesting, Dr. Grant. You said, you know, they say to you, they say to my friend who doesn't want his mother to get the vaccine. Well, his nieces say, well, you're not a doctor. And I said, Mark, I have to tell you something. If you were a doctor, then they would say, but you're not the right kind of doctor. You're an OBGYN, what do you know? Like back when I did the vaccine mandates, I had pediatrician friends say to me, you're a gynecologist, stick with that. You don't know anything about measles, right? And then, so the only way that anyone can have a clout maybe is to be a virologist. And we have world famous virologists who have said, this is a total scam. That doesn't matter either. That I think that cognitive dissonance is where we all land. Yes. Where it's easier to believe a lie Mm -hmm. than to wrestle with the truth. And I think I go back to that movie Spotlight. Remember the spotlight about all the sexual abuse of uh, children by priests. Mm-hmm. Starting out in Boston, and the Boston Globe did the investigative report, this was back when they actually had reporters yeah. instead of pharma employees. and um, and i I did my training in Dorchester, Massachusetts, in South Boston with all the Irish Catholic. And they went to church, the priest was it. And I couldn't help but think, what is it like mm-hmm. when you've had three generations where the priest was God? You went to the priest for comp- confession every week, uh, you went to mass, you walked out feeling cleansed, and then you find out that your beautiful son, who you've been sending in to be an altar boy, who now seems to be depressed and something's going on, was in fact sexually abused by the priest. That is spiritual abuse to a level that's just hard to believe. So, if that was happening, and then at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. all the credits roll, all the priests from all over the world, every country, they name the names, name the names. This is going to be like that. Eventually, this will be like that, because the truth will come out. And everything they're doing is against the Nuremberg Code. Everything.
3: And and there will be a perfect timing around that, that none of us, you know, necessarily have privy to. And we do our bit, and that's it. And then...
2: I agree. I, I th- Sorry, one more. That's been my probably Achilles heel is I, I, I'm a stickler for injustice. And when you know something's right, you want to hammer it, right? You want to be an evangelist about it. You know, there's that deep seated notion that it's not about being right. It's about why can't you see this? But I think you're right. You've got to come to the point that we have to just forge our own way. I think enough people eventually will hopefully see it, and and things will change. But we we kind of have to do something a little different, and focus on
1: maybe it's being like, positive and changing I, things in our own way.
3: So. I think it's I fun think to more maintain. dancing
1: and more potluck dinners.
3: <laughs> I think yes. it's good to maintain that fire, though. As you said, uh, Dr. Northrup, in the beginning, something just erupted in me. It's like I'm involved, and I'm not that sort of person. But you know, yeah, I've been right. in protests. It's like who's who's this I, I don't do this sort of thing but this energy is bigger than me it's as simple yeah. as that and it's still there there's a very delicate balance to um you know let go of my resistance to what's unfolding to uh develop acceptance because I know that's good for my mind body but maintain that fire because I think apathy is our worst enemy um so yes it's it, it involves a lot of inner work doesn't it to yes. try and find that balance um yes.
0: Well said yeah. yeah well that's fantastic everyone um, any final thoughts before we wrap up for today because I know we're right on the 90 minute mark and everyone's got a lot of things to to get done with the rest of their day I, I
1: just, well, my final I, remark is that it is going to turn out okay I know it I know it's going to turn out okay but don't leave your post that's all <laughs> I
3: love that <laughs> I'd just like to say nature's not our enemy, never has been, never will be, and um, yeah, trust, trust the unfolding.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Mm. Um, I would like to say if somebody's coming at you and they're repeating the mantra, the science says, the science says, I have the science, you need to hold them, hold their feet to the fire and ask them to show it to you, learn what science is, learn about the scientific method learn the definition of pseudoscience, learn these things. Don't let people just repeat mantras. And we, we all have to learn this because there's a lot of things that, that we all still, I think, call science that aren't si- true science, natural science, because that's what virology is supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be a natural science. And then it's not. And you have to learn, read the papers, learn the methods, learn what, compare those methods to the scientific method. You will immediately see it. You can read any virus paper ever done And if they're all the same at that point, you can see it, every method is the same, and it's not hard. And then you can have the conversations with people and you can hone that because you have to be able to repeat those. If you're gonna have that conversation about germ theory, start with virus theory. Don't even worry about bacteria, right? That's a whole separate issue because there there likely are issues where bacteria cause problems. Um, Not necessarily contagious issues, but toxins and things like that. But focus on virus theory, and go down that road and start teaching yourself how to read these papers and, and be your own expert. I know that you know a bunch of PhDs are laughing just hearing that, but it's true, you, you're, not, you're not too dumb. You don't have to follow these New York Times articles that say don't do your own research and, and don't critically think because that's insane, right? Every, we all have gifts. It's not hard to understand these papers at all. Um, don't get bogged down with the genetics of it. It doesn't matter, genetics don't matter if you don't have a virus, it doesn't matter. Um, so focus okay. on that and, and you'll be good.
1: Great. Thank you.
0: That was fantastic. And yeah, the last words that I'd like to leave everyone with, and I heard someone say this the other day uh, in regards to you know, everything that you're all trying to do, standing up and having a voice, uh, even in the face of adversity, if not us, then who? And if not now, then when? So we have to keep doing what we're doing. And Dr. Northrup, I heard you speaking the other day and I'll be interested to see what happens with this video. And you um, mentioned this. Uh, if this video is censored immediately, we know we're right over the target. So let's <laughs> see what happens, hey?
1: Okay, great, great.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, Dr. Fines, Dr. Grant and Dr. Northrup. I very much appreciate your time in this discussion. I'm sure it's going to be incredibly well received and probably an eye opener for a lot of people so thank you once again thank you thanks for tuning in we hope you enjoyed the show if you have any questions or comments head on over to humanly.com slash podcast and join the discussion make sure to follow us on facebook and become part of our growing community of like-minded health professionals until next time